Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we go any further that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. It is Monday, October 23rd. 2023, which means we are here to recap all of the Sunday Week 7 action across the Football League of National. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts. You get these every week. Uh, leave a rating, write a review. Those things make us very happy. If you prefer to watch the production, you can on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. Um, yeah, do those things. Por favor. The fantastic Rachelle Prevet is on the ones and twos as she always is. My name is RJ Ochoa, and I am joined as I am every Monday. By the best writers from SBNation.com, if you guys tell our coworkers that I said that, um, I'll stand by it. I'll be very proud. JP Acosta, Mark Schofield. Uh, JP, um, who are you going to drag and tell them that I said you're better than? Um, everybody. Oh. I'm just going to I'm gonna tweet it. I'm going to make sure everybody knows. Okay, good. Uh, Mark, um, you are coming off of a rather busy Sunday afternoon, um, the United States Grand Prix. Uh, came around and went, and Max Verstappen did his thing. And the New England Patriots are back. Um, you also had some, you know, family time going on, some recreation. Um, I imagine you're pretty spent from a physical and emotional perspective. It, it was a long Sunday, but an enjoyable Sunday coaching baseball in the morning, then racing home to get the dual screen set up. You got the F1 race on one screen. You get the quad box on the other. And as you mentioned, the New England Patriots one and. Can I do a baby face turn here on this? Because before we hit record, I was like, oh, no, this doesn't matter. This is pointless. This is just bad. But this was a tremendous victory. Patriots are back, right? I mean, that's what this means. JP, I mean, these are literally the exact words that we heard like 45 seconds ago in real time. Uh, so um, I guess we have to start. Is a baby uh, face turn possible? I, didn't, I don't know. I mean, well, is it, is it if so, it is, I just made one. If it is, because I want before, to take it. Because in all in all transparency, before we hit record, I was saying, look, what, what are we doing here? This is going to mean another year of Mac Jones. It's going to mean Gardner Minshew as the backup. Like, they're going to talk themselves into a rut. And now who knows what's going to happen. But I don't know. When you get a divisional win, when you get a win against a, a team of the Buffalo Bills that, you know, people still think is one of the better teams in the AFC, even when you see Bill Belichick get the 300th win, it's a nice little story. Uh, we might as well – begin with this game mark um, if you're going to do a baby face turn allow me i said here on monday football monday last week i said mark the patriots are going to get a win on sunday against the bills and you guys both rolled your eyes at me now i'll be straight up and honest with you while i know that you both listen to every second of our friday show here at tgi football every second. um exactly uh when we did our official picks myself blg and steven serta who was not there rachelle was producing that she's the best remember that in about an hour please rachelle um, I did take the bills like in a, you know, have to lock my pick in sense. But I said a week ago, Mark, that this could happen. And it did 29 to 25. The final score, um, maybe in the truest Hawkeye, don't give me hope sort of game uh, for New England Patriots fans. But still, it has to feel incredible to knock down the the most recent kings of the division. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an impressive win. I, I think a couple of things. One. You know, I was on ESPN Rochester on Friday afternoon. I love going on with Danger Battaglia, especially during Patriots Bills weeks. And the framing of their question of how New England could win this game was we have seen the Bills play to their level of competition all season long. They go up against the Dolphins and have almost a flawless game. They go up against the Giants last week and it comes down to the final snap. Like their concern in Buffalo was are we going to see them play to the level of the Patriots? And in a way, they did. You know, JP talked about it in in those SB Nation slack, like early interception with Josh, J Josh Allen, where it's like, okay, here's Josh Allen trying to solve a problem with his arm, like quintessential Josh Allen. You get the Patriots actually getting up, getting ahead 10 nothing in a game, which, you know, for a team like the way their offense is built right now, you can't get down two or three scores. Like they don't have the ability to throw their way back into games, but when they can get up a score or two, that plays to what they want to be as an offense. You know, it's not like Mac Jones was spreading the ball all over the place, had just five throws of 10 air yards or more, but hit on all five of those for 88 yards. That throw to Hunter Henry late in the game, Rex Ryan said it was perhaps one of the best throws he's ever seen him make. Like, this was a very good win for the New England Patriots. I don't know if we learned more about the Patriots or ultimately the Bills in this one, but it's still a very good win. JP. Um, I think this says a lot about the Bills and where the Bills are. When, we, when we're talking about at this point in the season, 
they don't have any depth on defense. And that's a really, really big issue. I think Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver both did not play against the Patriots. And you could tell up front they were getting their butts whooped. And that's something like you don't expect against the Patriots team where the offensive line has struggled the entire season. You know, went to Ben Baldwin side on the athletic. The Patriots had a 48% success rate on all runs throughout throughout this game. That's almost like almost half the time their their run players were going for a positive gain or a positive EPA. That's not good when it comes to, you know, wanting to stop a team like the Patriots, wanting to stop anybody, you know, their entire defense is built upon. We're going to play with light boxes. We're going to dominate up front. And that way we can get into more of our different pressures and looks on third downs. They can't do that right now. That's because they don't have any depth and the depth goes even past the front line. You know, you're playing Kair Elam, who is clearly not ready yet. You know, he was a healthy scratch going into the season, and now he's being thrown into the fire again. Offensively, it's, they're just weird, man. They're just a weird offensive team. Like, they they truly do take the reflection of their quarterback and embody it every week. Like, sometimes it's just a buzzsaw. Sometimes they look unstoppable, but they're so, they're so high variance. They are one of the most high variance teams in the NFL when it comes to good offensive performances and ones that are kind of like, man, you just you just hope to see more. You expect more from a Bills team that was a lot of people's trendy pick to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm kind of sick of the Bills love. I've been saying that for a long time uh, because they do things like this. I mean, you're right, JP. Like There is an incredible level of variance here, almost on a week-to-week basis. Um, and I don't mean to just kind of come in from like a 30,000-foot perspective here. But at some point, like you have to cut that crap out. Like We don't see that that level of variance from the elite teams. And that's why like the Bills, to me, I know the Bengals have been a bit stutter-stop you know, to begin this season. I still don't put them on that level. I don't put them on the Chiefs level. They are much closer to the Chargers than they are at the Chiefs at this point. And like, cool, you guys can go to Arrowhead and win a regular season game because you can play up to the level of competition. But you have to do this week in and week out. And it felt like they got a gift at the end of this game, Mark, with the Kendrick Bourne, you know, weird tip interception thing. And to their credit, you know, they went and cashed in on that. But, I mean, you can't – I know people are going to look at this and talk about the defensive depth like you just did, JP. But, I mean, you can't go into the, what, the fourth quarter with 10 points. You just can't. Not, I mean, that that is a really embarrassing effort from the Bills. And something I said all offseason long was they didn't have enough depth. They didn't do what, – what did they add to their offense besides Dalton Kincaid? I mean, that was it. Like, they thought, like, oh, we'll be fine and we'll be good. And, and I mean, I just don't know – I don't know what their ceiling is at this point. Like, I feel like the best version of this nucleus is in the past at this point. Well, I think it's also a lot of credit to Bill Belichick and the Pats defense kind of switching up what they did against Josh Allen. You know, Bill Belichick, we know, plays a lot of man coverage. That has been like the Patriots' MO. The problem is Josh Allen has destroyed the Patriots every time they played man coverage. They played a lot of zone yesterday. They forced Josh Allen to hold on to the ball, forced him to think guys were open that weren't, forced him into thinking – This is the entire Josh Allen experience. You want to force him to speed up his process. It's not just forcing him to hold on to the ball for a long time because Josh Allen wants to hold on to the ball for a long time. That's his game. You want to force him to speed up the process, force him to think, oh, no, there's a blitzer coming. I need to have that hardwired in my brain. And then he goes into cheese brain mode because everything's getting thrown at him at a very high rate. And that's how you get the interception to Jabril Peppers. It's just I worry so much about this Bills offense because of how high variance they are. They sometimes they just they can't run the ball. So then that puts that puts all the pressure back on Josh Allen, which has been the problem for the Bills since Josh Allen got good. You have not been able to run the ball. Your entire offense is built on Josh Allen finding Stefan Diggs. And Stefan Diggs is also the only receiver that is actually a credible threat in this offense. Dalton Kincaid is your wide receiver, too, right now. And he's tight end, too, at this point. Gabe Davis is – I tweeted that he's football J.R. Smith, and that's, like – that's the best – like, that's the biggest compliment I can give him because he's not a legitimate wide receiver, too, option. So, you know, they – they went into the season thinking, like, hey, we can upgrade at right guard, which they did with Osiris Torrance, who's been fantastic. You can go get Dalton Kincaid, who has been fine. He hasn't seen a lot of targets, but he's been fine. But the problem is you're still stuck in the same place that you were last year and the year before that and the year before that. And that's going to ultimately limit 
how far you can go in the playoffs. Because we're not just talking about if the Bills team can make the playoffs. This is yeah, this is the Super Bowl window. The window is closing like as we speak for this team. You know, they have a lot of aging guys on that defense. Like Von Miller's 33 years old, and he's not getting any younger. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are both entering their 30s. Davis White is going to be coming off another Achilles injury. This team isn't getting any younger. And this is the year. This is not to say like the proverbial this is our year thing, but if there's a chance to compete this year, you have to do it because you, you might not get this chance again with that defense. The floor is yours to drag them, Mark. This is your day. You earned this. No, I mean, I'm not going to drag them, but I do think that we have given the Bills the benefit of the doubt for a long time. And as far as windows close, and I think the window for giving them the benefit of the doubt is now closed. Like when you are this high variance, when you can play, you know, a great game against the Dolphins, when you, as you said, RJ, can go into Arrowhead and win, but then in back-to-back weeks, narrowly beat Tyrod Taylor and the Giants and then let Mac Jones have his first ever game-winning drive and (laughs) celebrate with whatever that gritty was that we saw in that end zone. Like – no, you, you've you lost the benefit of the doubt. Now, still an extremely talented team, but at some point it's like, okay, like you've got to win games like this in convincing fashion. Like it's it's not enough to have a five-point win against the Giants. Like you should have won that game going away. You should have won this game going away. And, you know, the, the point about do they have enough around Diggs and Allen, I think like they were trying to get this sort of 12 personnel. They were trying to get the sort of, Big off edge, 12 personnel. Look, and it's not working for them right now. You know, Stephon Diggs still had 12 targets, but six catches. You know, this is a game that is evidence of maybe you missed on that because what's Bill Belichick's, you know, crutch? What does he do? Take away what you do best. Take away a guy like Stephon Diggs. You saw multiple coverage looks against him, multiple brackets against him. You know, 12 targets, yes, the highest on the team, but only six receptions. Like they needed something else. They didn't have it. And their defense is so banged up. Matt Jones went down the field. Like the the window that is closed in my mind is the window where they get the benefit of the doubt. I think that's really fair, and I think that that's going to be a really popular take that stews over the next three weeks. I don't know if y'all have realized this. Their next three games are all in prime time, um, and so you know those who are maybe slow, those who are maybe still applying the benefit of the doubt, they play the Buccaneers on Thursday night football. And then they head to Cincinnati on Sunday Night Football. And, of course, they'll get up for that game because they, you know, like the the Bengals are who the Bills think they are. You know what I mean? Like the Bengals truly are that team that can hang and go toe-to-toe and be clutch. Um, And then they play the Broncos on Monday Night Football. And, I mean, but that that would be the most Bills thing ever, right? Like to go to Cincinnati and, like, hang with them and and then come home. And then lose to the Broncos at home. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, it sounds like a trope and it sounds silly, but it's just kind of who they are at this point. Yeah. We also cannot call what Mike Gesicki did a, a gritty. We can't. We can't call it that. No, that was more like no. I mean, again, RG three called it the unseasoned gritty. He called it last year. Like that. That was a skedaddle. Yeah, that looked like a. Fred that was a roadrunner move. By the way, Mark, um, I like the silver pants with those. I I haven't been a fan of this new version of the Patriots uniforms, but the silver pants, gray pants, whatever you want to call them, with the navy top. Yeah. It was. It was nice. It felt yeah. a little bit more normal. Yeah, it's it's a it's a solid look. I mean, I'm still a Pat Patriot person. Like that that's that's the look that I would love to see them go with full time at this point. Because I was just a huge fan of the '80s uniform NFL wide in general. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a solid, clean look for them. Good for them. Um, okay, Rachel, remember that I took us in this direction next. The Baltimore Ravens, thirty-eight to six. Um, I, you know what's kind of trending down, JP? Like game of the year vibes. Like anytime we try to label anything game of the year, it just is gross. Even Sunday Night Football, which obviously we'll get to, but the Ravens with a statement. Oh, here come the Lions. Here come whatever. A lot of people, JP, were hyping up the Lions as potentially the best team in the NFC entering this week. The Ravens handled them with force. It was what, 28 to nothing in the first quarter? or 28 to nothing. I mean, I think they scored on, on every drive. It was in, so it got up to 35 to nothing in the third quarter. I mean, this was a total and complete ass kicking. I mean, shout out to John Harbaugh, Lamar. Lamar's not getting enough MVP love at this point. Oh, yeah. I picked them before the season to uh, win yeah. MVP. That's what I'm saying. Go off. This is your you soapbox. Know, this, is, this is what we this is what I expected from this Baltimore offense. You know, they've been kind of going through some struggles with injury and with inconsistent plays stemming from like being in a new offensive scheme. But when everybody's healthy, like both tackles were on Sunday, this is what they can do. 
on the first touchdown against the against the Lions where Lamar kept it and ran to the end zone. Watch Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley absolutely obliterated the Lions DB, sent him back to Detroit. They it just Lamar is so good. Like he's he doesn't get enough credit as to how he's grown as a pocket passer and the touch that he puts on every pass. It's like he just layers passes right over linebackers into the hands of his receivers. And the receivers were playing great. We knew the defense was phenomenal, but this was a ass-kicking up front on both sides of the ball. The Ravens dominated up front on both lines, especially the offensive line, which had come in not very healthy, been kind of pushed around, was kind of pushed around a little bit by the uh, Titans in London, but they thoroughly dominated a team that was that is really good. I still think the Lions are a really good football team, but I think this says a lot about what we think the Ravens can be when it comes to factoring into the AFC playoff picture. If Lamar keeps playing like this, they are one of the best teams in the conference. It's in terms of people that aren't getting a ton of credit right now, Mike McDonald, okay? What was fascinating about this game was, you know, and, and I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, Ben Johnson, he's going to write his ticket. He's going to get any job that he wants. He's done such a great job with this offense. Mike McDonald was in his bag. You know, he the book on Jared Goff, if you think back to – Oh, his days with the Rams, and even right now, it's make him think. Don't let him be a robot, paint-by-the-numbers type of quarterback. You think about what the Patriots did to him in that Super Bowl where they would audible on defense after the helmet radio cut out, and Goff had to sort of figure things out on his own. McDonald had so many different looks in this game where you know lines would use motion. They'd have somebody trail it, so he's thinking it's man coverage. So then they drop in a zone, and he's holding the ball like, wait a second, now what do I have to figure out? And they got home on those looks. They had one of their sacks was a ridiculous design where they dropped both defensive tackles into underneath coverage and came off the edges. A, a beautiful sim pressure look, which we're seeing so much of in the NFL this year. McDonald, when we get to, say, the January hiring cycle, and it's, okay, what offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators are going to get out head coaching gigs? Remember this game because he had such a good game plan to go up against Jared Goff. Lamar has been fantastic. Everything JP said about the Ravens up front was absolutely on point. But I was so impressed with the game plan that McDonald had against this Lions offense. And I think the most important thing like about what Mike McDonald did was, <clears throat> I think during the game, they said the Ravens lead the NFL in sacks. And you can't think of like a true, like, winner for them right. off the end consistently like you I mean Jadavian Clowney was signed in the middle of the season he's been one of the most consistent pressure guys you know they'd signed Kyle Van Noy and Van Noy was out here act being real productive you know and that's a testament to Mike McDonald and what his defenses can do to opposing offenses it's not only forcing you to think and to hold the ball longer but it's also speeding up the process along the offensive line it's forcing the offensive line to think forcing them to adjust on the fly the Arthur Mallette sack, where he just comes in free off the edge because nobody sees him. Just a perfect encapsulation of what happened to the Lions offense and a testament to Mike McDonald and that uh, Ravens defense. It was, I don't know, are we concerned about the Lions at all? Because I, just to give you both perspective, I saw um, Cowboys fans, you know, because that's how they are. Nobody's going to talk about the Lions this week. Nobody's going to whatever. I mean, but again, a lot of people were hyping them up and billing them up as this top-tier contender. Um, and while there is, you know, a, you know, not a, a ton of shame, Mark, in losing to a contender, if if I stick to kind of the Cowboys blueprint after the Cowboys lost to the 49ers, you know, similar sort of fashion, it was doom and gloom. They're the worst team ever. Um, I don't think that's fair to apply to the Lions, but this might have been a humbling of you're not quite on that level yet. You don't have to be in the middle of October, but – um, you have some work to do still. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the takeaway. You have some work to do. I mean, as we framed that Cowboys-Niners game, I think JP sort of nailed it. It's, it's still – the Niners are just a bad matchup for the Cowboys at this point. Like, we've seen that over the past couple of games between those two teams. And I think the takeaway from this one is the Lions are still good, but there are some things that they're probably going to have to address going forward if they want to be the team that gets to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And I, I think part of it is, okay – you're going to see some pressures now going forward. Like, you know, it's a copycat league and all that. And so every team they play now is going to try to do the things that Mike McDonald did. Are you going to have an answer for those moments? Is Jared Goff going to have an answer for those moments? Like, that's the thing that I'm going to be watching going forward. I don't think it's a, this team is actually bad kind of thing. I don't think it's a look, you know, they're frauds or anything like that. And say, okay, you had this game, learn from it. 
and be better going forward. If they do that, this will be sort of a blessed in disguise moment. If they don't, then okay, maybe we were wrong. Okay, JP. I'm not too concerned about the Lions after this performance. Sometimes you just have a stinker. Sometimes, sometimes you just sometimes you, you shoot a blank. You know, that's that's really what happened to the Lions. They they went up against a bad matchup and they shot a blank. You know, it's it happens to every good team in the NFL. You know, we there are going to be those games where you just don't have it. But like you said, Mark, I think the simulated pressures and what the Ravens defense showed the Lions offense is going to be something to keep looking forward to, keep looking out for throughout the rest of the season. The um, Lions defense will be fine because they don't have to put Lamar Jackson yeah. every week. JP, let's go to PJ. Uh, PJ Walker, who you didn't believe in. Um, this, I feel like this would be your thing, like your corner. I don't know why you, you don't you know, jump in on this a little bit more. Uh, but the Cleveland Browns survived against the Indianapolis Colts. This was a really fun and weird and beautiful and messy game, JP. 39-38, to 38, the final score. Gardner Minshew, of course, starting um, the rest of the season for the Colts after the Anthony Richardson surgery became official. Um, Deshaun Watson did start this game for the Browns. Um, did not look great. Um, Kevin Stefanski said he wanted to protect him. That whole storyline is, you know, worth exploring in and of itself. Uh, but the Browns' defense is, um, despite allowing 38 points, an incredible monster that can pull off some miracles when they need to. It's an incredible monster spearheaded by the Defensive Player of the Year through six games. And Miles Garrett has been absurd to start this season. I think the Jim Schwartz defense has unlocked Miles Garrett to a completely different level. And you just look at the plays that he has. Like he forced, he had two sacks, forced two fumbles. One of them results in a touchdown, blocked a kick. So basically, he took off multiple points for the Colts and added them on. He scored multiple times. For the Browns, that is borderline. Like that's a that's a defensive player of the year. That's a best defensive player in the NFL level performance by Miles Garrett. Um, the Browns' offense still remains the Browns' offense. It's you know when Deshaun was in the game, he it's it's so weird to kind of think about where Deshaun Watson was in terms of just on the field on the field. Deshaun Watson. When in his last year in Houston, he was considered one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. And now you cannot trust him to make a single good play. We have not seen a point blank fall off like this since maybe Carson Wentz. Like this is getting Wentzian levels of uncomfortable for the Browns. And the problem is the Eagles didn't pay Carson Wentz 230 million fully guaranteed. Like that's you're kind of stuck with this. And P.J. Walker was a backup quarterback. He played like a backup quarterback. It's just it's just a very weird game. You can't really feel comfortable about it if you're the Browns, but also a win is a win, and you're still in pace when it comes to fighting for the playoffs and fighting for position in the AFC North. I mean, I think that Watson's clearly hurt. Like, he – Rotated cuff injuries, like as somebody, you know, that has one right now and it's my left arm and I can barely pick something up. I cannot imagine throwing an NFL football in an NFL game with a rotator cuff injury. But that being said, the fall off was evident before this game. I mean, earlier in the season, you know, I wrote a piece about, you know, what's wrong with Watson and can it be fixed? But his first throw in this game was a check down to the running back out of the backfield that he missed it by like five yards. Like he just missed it by five yards. The interception he had, he is flushed to his right, basically on a full sprint with all his momentum, taking him in the direction of this throw and the ball hangs and lets the free safety who is five yards away. I'll be at breaking on it, but five yards away when the ball is coming out and he beats and the receiver has to slow up and he beats him to the ball. Like Watson's clearly hurt with this defense though you're still going to be able to win games as we saw yesterday, because this defense is absurdly good. And miles Garrett, not that he needed to be unlocked, but yeah, he's been unlocked and it's crazy to watch some of the absurd things that he's able to do right now. So I, I think if you're Stefanski, like you said, at this point, you have to, he's your multi, multi, multi-million dollar investment with that defense. I think you have to kind of sit, watch him down and let him get close to healthy and win games with PJ Walker. Cause with this defense, you can't. Watson has $46 million guaranteed in a cap number just south of $64 million over each of the next three years. 
So you might as well uh, get them as healthy as you can because you're gonna have to ride with them at some point. I mean, that's the thing that, like, I mean, Mark, you certainly know better than anybody, but like, I mean, are there like how, how like you? It's impossible to practically say that there are better days ahead for him at this point. Like, you know, I think if you're a Browns fan, you're doing your best to keep tunnel vision of like, let's just let's just figure this out, like week by week. You know, the defense will do it, whatever this and that, blah blah. But like the long term future, the short term, long term three year window for this team is really, really tenuous uh, because of this particular contract. And that's just talking about the football elements of it all. Like, I mean, you know, much has been rightfully said and discussed about how the Browns sold their soul to go down this path. I mean, it this looks like one of the worst moves, again, just talking about the football of it all, that any front office has ever made in NFL history. Yeah, I mean, James Data wrote at SBNation.com today, it's the worst trade in NFL history. And there's some competition for that, obviously. I mean, we can go down the litany of bad NFL trades. But JP's point was right, though. The quarterback we saw when he was last playing in Houston – was a top 10 quarterback in the National Football League, a quarterback that every Monday morning would be at or near the top of my list of guys to watch because of how he was playing the position. The fall off from that quarterback to this quarterback, even before the rotator cuff injury came into focus, is dramatic and steep. And, you know, Wensi and Russell Wilson, like something we haven't seen in, in recent history. I think if you're a Browns fan, like you said, A, you're focusing on the defense and the week-to-week -week and the fact that, look, just get wins. Just just stack wins any way you can. Get yourself into the playoffs and maybe you can catch some magic. But long-term, it's, okay, let's get this guy back to 100% you know, with that shoulder and then figure out an offense with him and what that could look like, whether it's entirely horizontal-based, whether it's you know whatever you have to do to get this offense to be somewhat effective in the passing game but right now just stack it wins any way you can because the numbers are what they are and they aren't going away and it's there are no easy answers in terms of getting out from under them jp the pittsburgh steelers took down the los angeles rams 24 to 17 um sunday was not a good day for nfl officials i don't know if this was the worst and most flagrant issue that an official had um the kenny pickett spot and measurement um but i think it's it's certainly up there. Um, this was a really weird game. Uh, <laughs> this, this, and by the way, um, our in-game parlay on Friday's show, we've never hit it before. Um, and we came so close. I hit my leg. Steven hit his leg. And BLG took the under on Najee Harris rushing yards at 51 and a half. He finished with 53. Um, so <laughs> it was devastating. Uh, but you looked really dissatisfied when I brought this game up. The Steelers play the same game every week. This is just, <clears throat> we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The Steelers are what the Patriots thought they were going to be. This is exactly, this is a Steelers slash Patriots post-Brady type of win. They look really bad for like three and a half quarters. And then you turn the ball over. Then TJ Watt makes a big play or a big or an interception like he does. And then the offense puts together one drive. And next thing you know, you're down. And then they can just tee off on you. It's just, I don't have faith in this Steelers team. They have been, they have been outgained in yardage every game this season, but somehow they are four and two. They just, it's a really big testament to the coaching and that defense to say, no matter what happens, we are still going to be in this game. You have to put, you have to drive the stake through the heart of the Steelers in order to keep them down for an entire game. Because if you don't, they will zombie your ass and you're going to end up looking back and be like, dang, we lost to that team. We lost to that Steelers team. The Rams looked relatively fine. Like, they looked fine. Puganakua looked awesome. But the Steelers just keep doing this. They lie around. They just, they just wait. They wait for you to make a mistake, and then they jump on you. Yeah, I mean, first off, in my notes, I've got JP's quote right there from the other week. You know, the Steelers are who we thought the Patriots were. The Steelers are like the, we're in the Halloween season. They're the Mike Myers of the NFL. They just wait for you to make a mistake. They walk slowly towards you. They wait for you to walk into the room with the chainsaws or walk into the room with a hot tub or walk into the room with all the knives. When you do something stupid, that's when they take advantage of it. Like, that's who they are. And my dear friend Kyle Krabs, who early, who in the preseason was telling me, look, this is going to be a playoff team, said it's all about the schedule. Like they're not good. 
but they'll find ways to win, and it's all about the schedule. They're four and two, and they've got games against the Titans, the Packers, Arizona, New England, the Colts left on the schedule. You know, with the games that they've got left, they just go six and five. That gets them to 10 and seven. They're probably in the playoffs at that point. Acted like Mike Myers, like slowly walking their way into the postseason. Slowly, of course, because the offense still cannot move the ball no. very well. No. Like this is not – this nothing has changed about the Steelers team. Not, not, my mind has not changed about what the Steelers are, but they just keep doing this. They keep – every time on offense, it is either run for three yards in a cloud of dust and then you get into third and long and it's a George Pickens back shoulder, which, I mean, it works. Like he was – I wrote about him in Established to Fun. Like that's their most consistent offense at this point, and it's working. And then they just wait. They just they just sit there and like they take all the body blows. They take all the punches that you throw. And then as you get tired, it's like real steel. As soon as you get tired, it hits you with an uppercut. And now you're knocked out. Are we ready to bail on the Rams? Like we were ready to kind of give them like they might be cute. I mean, I don't know. I'm I go back and forth. Like no team kind of pulls me up and down as much as they do so far, relative to context. They are who we kind of thought they were going to be. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be, like, super competitive, but the defense still, like, doesn't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of talent outside of Aaron Donald, who had a fantastic game on Sunday. Like, he once again was Aaron Donald. But, yeah, yeah, man, it, this team isn't that great. I think we got a little bit out over our skis a bit with how good Matt Stafford and the offense looked. And we forgot this offensive line is still playing like they're playing their right guard at left tackle because their original left tackle was not good. And they paid him $40 million after Andrew Whitworth retired. It just they are who we thought they were. They are they are the competitive rebuild team. I think I would personally slightly disagree. I think they're better than we thought. But because they were better than we thought, like we thought they were going to be so bad. You know what I mean? They had like 45 rookies or whatever it was that we we like buried them. So the fact that they had like a modicum of a pulse, we were like, oh, hey. And so to your point, I think we we overcorrected. And now, yeah, now things are kind of starting to stabilize a little bit. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let me remind you uh, both that, you know, the way this show works is we generally start with the most exciting games of the day. Um, and so we're getting to that kind of inflection point. Um, and so we each do still hold our fast forwards. Um, so that being said, um, I suppose we can talk about Tyson Bajant. Bajant? I still don't fully know. Um, I don't know if either one of you wants to discuss this, um, but he was really impressive in a contextual sense. <laughs> Wow. Um, okay. Well, 21 of 29 for 162 yards and a touchdown in an NFL debut in a win is still cool. Um, but one sentence, Mark, 
please. Hey, look, uh, seeing an undrafted Division II QB get a win gives hopes to all those D2 and D3 kids out there. I was one myself. Hey, it's it's fun to see. But, yeah, we get to see this team on prime time this weekend. So um, we could save our full Tyson Bajan. I think it's Bajan because they're going with the, like, secret Bajan man headlines and stuff. So I, I think it's Bajan. Um, we could save that full experience for next week. JP. I'm going to call him Tyson Chicken Nuggets because they're good. They're good. Like, they, it feels fine the first time, but after you eat them, like, eight, nine times after that, you kind of feel like, dang, this isn't, it's not that great. His average depth of target in this game was two yards. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's slow down. Like he had, bit. what, like three or four <laughs> throws over 10 yards downfield? Like, let's, this is not, this is not good. And like Mark said, Sunday, uh, that is the game they're going to show in the seventh layer of hell. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him. Um, I saw um, on the Bears subreddit, they were like, fa- like Bears fans were arguing, you know, Bajant versus Fields. Um, that has to be a very frustrating place to be as a Bears fan this week. Um, so tough scene. Which one of you actually is credited with this fast forward? Because I, I didn't totally take it away. I was shaking my head. Okay. Like, I didn't want to talk about this, so I'm taking Ra- that one. Rachel gave it to you, JP. Um, my last thing is this is a really tough scene for the Josh McDaniel Raiders. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. like, like, not that, like, we're short on those, um, but I think if we, like, ranked the 10 most embarrassing losses in the time that Josh McDaniels has been the Raiders head coach, I think he'd have at least half. You know what I mean? Like, this is this one, the Baker loss last year to the Baker Rams, like, um, tough scene. Um, okay, let's move on. The Atlanta Falcons outlasted. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, 16 to 13. Um, Mark, I don't know if you want to fast forward. JP's already done. Um, I mean, there are so many other games worth fast forward. I think we've got to talk about this one. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the biggest takeaway from this game is like the, the Desmond Ritter fumble, um, whether you think that that's a good rule or a bad rule. So I guess now is the time to have the discussion. I hate this rule. Like I, I, I have, I, it's the worst rule in football in my mind. And a lot of people say, you know, what, what's your alternative solution? My solution, penalize them however many yards you want. Penalize them 25 yards. I don't care. Like, but the fact that they, like, you lose the ball. Now, I will say I have a bigger problem with it when players are reaching for the, the end zone or the pylon and it kind of falls out of their hands because they don't want to punish players for trying to do something super cool. This was not that. Uh, this was more of a traditional fumble, JP. Uh, but the rule still should be changed in my mind. But I guess congrats to the Falcons. Arthur Smith was really taking it on the internet during this game. That's because, like, the whole Bijan thing was really weird. Oh, this was... You don't know if, like, they didn't say he was hurt. They said he he wasn't on any of the injury reports throughout the week. And then he has, like, one touch throughout the entire game. And that was on the last drive of the game. It was really weird. Um, The Falcons' defense is legitimately good. Like, it's a, a very good unit. I think the investments that they made on that side of the ball, Ryan Nielsen's done a really good job with that defense. Jesse Bates is playing amazing football. But look, man, the offense is going to be like, it's just, it is what it is at this point. Like you see every pass at every cool Falcons highlight of a skill position player making a one-handed catch is behind their body or they're making a one-handed catch. They have to go behind the back to do it because every pass is just off the mark. Like I just, I don't know what to think about this team. The defense is good. The offense has talent, but how far are you really like, realistically going to get with Desmond Ritter at quarterback? Well, you're in first place in the division and you've got an extremely favorable schedule along the way. And given everything else we've seen in this division, this might be the NFC South division winning team. Desmond Ritter might be a division winning quarterback when we get to December. So yeah, do that, which you will kids. Um, Baker, man, that interception he threw late, buddy. Like situational yeah. awareness. Like you've got the check down open. It's second and eight at the plus twenty six with three forty six left or something like that. Like take the wide open check down and get yourself into third and two. Like trying to thread the needle in that situation was just Baker being too much Baker at that point. But that is, that's the Baker mo. Too much yeah. dip on the chip. Yeah, too much dip on the chip. Exactly. Yeah, I mean. Even Desmond Ritter's sort of biggest throw of the game, the out route to pick to Pitts, which was in a, a big throw at a big spot, he's still going like this to reach back to get it. I mean, it, it was a nice little anticipation read and throw, but still needed a big adjustment for Pitts to make that play. 
Yeah. Um, this is a real tough scene. Um, I have long criticized the Broncos uh, for their approach to the quarterback position. They got insanely lucky, obviously, with Peyton Manning being available in 2012. And they'd be able to matter the whole Tebow thing. The Falcons were so fortunate that Matt Ryan was available as they is, you know, the Michael Vick thing originally happened, but like, and I'm, I mean, whoa, like we're two years removed from the Matt Ryan experience. And so that's fine. But like, this is a really awful plan. Like, I mean, like how, how can you feel at all confident in the future? And what's weird is like you both said, I think they're probably going to win this division. I mean, like, are you ready to write off anybody in the NFC South? Are either of you like, are either of you ready to say that? I mean, maybe the Panthers. Fine, yeah, but maybe like, the Panthers is because they're always Panthers. We, probably, we, but... we can't throw out the Saints. We can't throw out the Bucks. We can't throw out the Falcons. That's crazy that like we can't throw them out. Is that more because they're those teams are good or because the rest of the division is bad? It's because all three of them are equally bad. That's what I'm saying. But like, <laughs> but you can't you can't disregard any of them. You know what I mean at this point because the other two are so bad. Who like whichever one you would argue to take out, the other two are so bad that it gives them life. It's just, it's insane. This this division just, I don't know what to make of it. I think they've each played each other at least once at this point. Because I think the Buccaneers beat the Saints. I think Atlanta and New Orleans have not played one another yet. Atlanta and New Orleans haven't played yet. But I don't know what to make of the Falcons. I don't know what to make of this division. It's just very weird. Um, The Seattle Seahawks. Beat the Arizona Cardinals, twenty to ten. Mark, I'll fast forward this. I'm, okay, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you did it, I would have. Um, this was a really boring game. Um, to be just kind of frank. Um, well, the most exciting thing, I guess, my one sentence is Jackson Smith and Jigba scored, and that made me happy. So, JP, Jake, oh, go ahead, JP. Oh man, uh, Jake Bobo is my guy. That's my. That is who that's the guy that I was always like really hyped for and to see him actually like get some get some run and get a, a really awesome touchdown. It's really really good for the brand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I drafted Jake Bobo in my home fantasy league. I drafted him and Puka in the late rounds, and people were like, Who are these two people? So I was very, very happy to see him get a touchdown. Um, but yeah, just not the most the, the late afternoon window was just kind of disappointed and and this was part of that. Uh the New York Giants. Beat the Washington Command. <laughs> okay, that's our, our final fast forward. 14 to 7, the final score. No, wait, Rachel still has a fast forward, too. Oh, right? that's right. Sorry, Rachel, my bad. So, um, so thank thank goodness, because yeah. there's another one um, that I think we're, we're feeling that. Uh, one sentence on the Giants winning 14 to 7. Mark. Um, the New York Giants won a football game over their NFC East rivals, the Washington Commanders, by a final score of 14 to 7. But look, I, I've seen some should Daniel Jones be benched talk. I don't know if you can still bench your $160 million quarterback. I think, you know, when he's healthy, he's going to play. But the offense has looked a little bit better with Taylor in the lineup, I'm just going to say. Sam Howell needs to figure it the hell out with a sack, man. You you cannot hold on to the ball as long as he does and try and consistently, like, be Patrick Mahomes, even though you are not Patrick Mahomes. You got something's got to give. Um, there was a moment just quickly in this game where, uh, when Brian Dable settled for the field goal attempt, obviously didn't happen. Um, Brian Dable's got a little bit of coward in him. Um, you know, and I don't blame him for At being the afraid same of his- time. Like it's Sam Howell on the other side of the field. I mean, and they were missing like three of their starting five offensive linemen. I'm That's just, they weren't great to start with, but I understand like he's trying to make chicken salad out of all this, but like, come on. I mean, you know, they're just not an operation that I enjoy watching very much. Um, Rachel, if you want to use your fast forward, I would offer this one as the opportunity, but it's your fast forward. The Denver Broncos beat the Green Bay Packers. Rachel, you're the goat. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, 19 to 17, the final score. JP, one sentence, please. Are the Packers quiet quitting? <laughs> Mark? Coach LaFleur needs to protect Jordan Love from himself because when this guy gets into second and lawn or third and lawn, he wants to solve every problem by chucking it downfield. I mean, that, that interception late, man. Like, buddy, I, I know it, it's third and lawn at this point. 
But you get a chance you take one of the shorter routes because they basically ran sticks with a deep over. You take one of the shorter routes, you at least get yourself into the conversation for, hey, do we try a long field goal? It's the Denver air. Maybe we can hit that and win this game. Or do we just get ourselves fourth and 10? But to make that throw in that situation with the deep over into double coverage, like you just can't do it. So, Coach, protect your boy from himself. Because if you look at his splits, second and long, third and long, they're, they're not like those are high percentage downs to begin with, but it's even worse than you'd expect. Um, my sentence is that the Broncos have the weakest wins of anybody in the NFL. Like, how, how can you possibly feel good if you're a Broncos fan? I mean, I know there's, like, you're looking for anything if you're a Broncos fan. This was a gross win. Um, and if you're the Broncos, you're moving yourself out of Caleb Williams' territory, which is probably the most devastating thing, you know, as a result of all this. Um, okay, uh, we have two games left. The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Los Angeles Chargers 31-17. to This got all the national tight end day... Taylor Swift, um, you know, headlines that you could possibly imagine. But I wanted to petition something to all of you um, that I think we should make a thing on you know, Monday, Football Monday. Um, now, a lot of teams do, or a lot of the NFL shows do some version of, like, you know, getting rid of a team. This this team's out of playoff contention, blah, blah. We obviously have to have that, but I came up with a name. Um, this, is, this is for teams that are cooked, but that are kind of, like, slowly cooking themselves um, as the season goes along. Uh, but again, in essence, if we put a team in this place, it means that they're cooked. I offer to put the Los Angeles Chargers in the crockpot. They are slowly cooking themselves. Like I'm, I'm. This is not a serious team. I'm so done with them. It, there's a lot of fault to go around. You could put a lot on Brandon Staley. You could put a lot on Justin Herbert. You can put a lot on, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, I'm not saying that one person should escape it, but I want to put the Chargers in the crockpot. But I do think it should, it should require a unanimous vote of approval. Um, that's the way that the crockpot, crockpot, excuse me, should work here on Monday Football Monday. I kind of want to put ourselves in the crock pot because we do this every year with the Chargers. We, uh, we believe, we buy it. No, this is going to be the year. We should be in the crock pot alongside with it. We are Charlie Brown with the football with this with this franchise. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Put them in the crock pot. Yeah, it's it's already really hard to beat Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes is playing like he was yesterday and Travis Kelsey was playing like he was yesterday. The Chargers are normally like historically a very good like Travis Kelsey defending team because they have Derwin James. Derwin James was hampered by an ankle injury. They don't have a lot of guys left in that DB room that are actually healthy, which again, the story of the Chargers entire franchise, nobody's healthy. But offense just completely cratering in the second half you know that's that's rough when you brought in to you brought in Kellen Moore to make sure that didn't happen and you paid Justin Herbert a lot of money who is a he's still a very good quarterback but it's just this team never ever ever makes any sense and you can't really gauge like what is what are the chargers what do they do well they have a great social media department that's like the, the their schedule release videos are fantastic <laughs> yeah um they are so like their their inability to be legit is now annoying like it, it was it was just frustrating and, and and devastating for a while but it's actually annoying now um and so i'm kind of sick of them you know being a thing which is why i wanted to put them in the crock pot and i recognize how like takey this sounds but you know if you want to play these big games like we, we i'm willing to give the bills that like okay you can go to arrowhead you like your stars can rise above and play big moments in, in those like that's of AFC hierarchy. The Chargers are way beneath the Bills, who we trashed a little while ago. But like, you have to have games where your superstars show up and you get the benefit of, the, of of injuries and things like that. Like you mentioned, JP. But like, Pat Mahomes was amazing in this game. Travis Kelsey was amazing in this game. Like, where is that game for the Chargers? Like, where is again? Like, if we just act like you know sports takey, where is the game where like everyone was out of their bag or in their bag, out of their minds to get the win that they needed? Like, I would challenge each of you. Like, what is that game? Dolphins last year. Like, does that count? But we didn't regard the Dolphins in that, like, high esteem at the time as we do now. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but, maybe... I mean, the point is, if, even if that's the pick, that was last year. Right. Like, we have film of them playing that same Dolphins team yeah, this year. Yeah, and how'd that go? But a funny stat that I, that I just found that uh, kind of encapsulates what the Chargers and Chiefs were yesterday. The Chargers' total offensive EPA per play from that entire game was 0.047. Patrick Mahomes' EPA per play was 0.59. You, you cannot win games when Patrick Mahomes is playing like that. Like it's, it's just really hard, and they made it even harder on themselves. Um, Rachel, we need your vote on if we can put the Chargers in the crockpot. 
um, just so it is a unanimous thing. Um, but yeah, like this team is so boring. I'm I'm sick of like acting like they're anywhere. Oh, Rachel has approved it. Okay, the Chargers are the first team, the inaugural team in the crockpot. Are there any other teams? Graphics that... department to get all you know work something up. Right, right. Yeah. Um, are there any other teams that we want to consider putting in the crockpot now that we're here? And to be clear, you have to be like a contending kind of ish team. Like we're not putting the Panthers in here or the Broncos in here. Like you know, you got to have a certain standing to be crockpot eligible. Um, Saints. I'm not willing to put them in. That's what, they could um, win the division. We just talked about that. Yeah, like, you know? based on how we've talked about them today. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> based on little, you know what we saw on social media uh, weekend, it might be a. We're not. I'm not saying they're full crockpot yet, but we're prepping the. Bills. Yeah, I mean, look, people are people are chopping the vegetables. They've yeah, got the crockpot. It's out on the counter. Like they haven't plugged it in yet, but it's out. Yeah, well, be careful when you plug it in. There's a whole uh, sit or like network television show that was centered around a crockpot um, accident in um, what was it called? Um, not this the last is us. Us. This is us. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that was big old plot uh, yeah. in that show. JP um, just looks so confused right now. Like, what are we talking about? It was one of those shows, JP, that you watch with like your family, um, and everybody cries and everybody gets into it. So, um, you know, you'll get there um, as, as you age through life. Um, but um, okay, so the Chargers are in the crockpot. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll get some sort of graphic on this because i mean to be frank we need it but um okay last game uh we talked about the miami dolphins this had game of the year potential it was kind of exciting in a boring way um i don't know maybe i was keeping tabs on the houston Astros at the same time so i wasn't a hundred percent invested but um it was kind of fun jp until it wasn't all my most annoying take out of this is now people are talking about the tush push again like let it be like i'm so sick of talking about this I'm, i have no problem with it i'm just sick of it being a talking point uh, 31 to 17, the final score is the Eagles improved to six and one. So real quick about the touch push. If you want to stop the touch push, lift bigger weights. <laughs> you, don't talk to me about banning that play when you're not strong enough to stop the play. Get lift bigger weights, squat more, deadlift more, you know, get in the gym, you know, eat a sandwich sometimes. But really it just comes down like the Eagles didn't play that great but still scored 31 points. That's their thing, like that's, man. That's that's like their whole thing at this point. Like, I think they're they're still a very, very good team. And the reason why is because their floor is 31 points. Like, they have, <clears throat> they have an offensive and defensive line that can raise the floor so high to the point where the skill positions really don't have to play that great. The defensive backs for the uh, Eagles really didn't have the best game. You know, but their defensive line just dominates everybody. They have depth up and down the front. And then we know about the offensive line. It's the best position. It's the best single position group in all of football, like non-quarterback. Like it's the best non-quarterback room in football. They can single-handedly flip games and change games. They can sit on opposing teams and just grind out wins. And, you know, Jalen Hurts looked a little hurt, no pun intended, Near the end of the game, I think they said he had a brace on his left leg. Put it on for the second half, yeah. But he put together a gritty performance at the end. A.J. Brown is once again, like, phenomenal. Like, he, there's, he's so strong at the catch point and after the catch. It's really tough to defend him. But I wouldn't be too alarmed if I were a Dolphins fan, mainly because you were playing without most, most of your starting offensive line. And when you're going up against that defensive group, if you don't have your offensive line fully healthy, it's not a good, like, successful formula. But this is more about the Eagles being like, hey, we didn't play that great, but we still scored 31 points and had an efficient game on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, Miami injuries certainly something that contributed last night. I know a lot of Dolphins fans were really frustrated with some of the calls that did or did not go against them. It seemed like you know, officiating wasn't in their favor last night. But with the injuries that they had up front of Miami, that Eagles front is something different. Terrifying. I mean, just absolutely terrified. And if we start thinking, okay, down the road, right, we just – Browns-Niners last week, what was one of the takeaways? Well, maybe if you can, like, dominate up front with four, you've got a shot at slowing down this Niners offense. Well, the Eagles can do that. Hassan Reddick was – phenomenal in this game like you know especially in the first half when the Dolphins couldn't get anything going on the ground it was mostly because Reddick was in the backfield by the time Tua was handing the ball off Jordan Davis they had a stop 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 on the goal line early in this game um takes on the double team 
Guard can't climb to the second level. Morrow comes over the top, and you get a stop for a loss of one. That Eagles front is terrifying. And if you start thinking about the Niners and a potential NFC Championship game rematch, JP said it last week. Look, Philadelphia's sort of ace in the hole is what they can do in the trenches, certainly on offense, the defense as well. Um, I think my takeaway from the Eagles is that this is a weird take, I understand. They're a more impressive 6-1 and team through seven weeks this year than they were a 7-0 team through seven weeks last year. Because they were just, like, destroying. They were obliterating opponents last year. I mean, it, so it just – I mean, that that is that doesn't happen in the NFL, right? Like, I think it's – like, when we look at the end of, like, the universe or time or the world, we'll look at the 2022 Eagles as this, like, extreme outlier of, like, everything going right for you until the very, very, very end. Um, versus this team – JP, you said it like I feel like the the eye test is like they kind of played poorly. You know what I mean? But like they won by 14 points. You know what I mean? Like like how how is that possible? And like that's every week for them. And every week they have one drive, one moment where it's like, okay, let's just go kick their asses right here and get the win and get out of town. And so it's like if you can get to six and one while you're playing debatably poor football and and your quarterback is turning the ball over like crazy. You know what I mean? Like that's a that is the hallmark of an elite team. And that's what frustrates me the most as a Cowboys fan is that like, it just feels like nobody is capable of capitalizing on them playing poor football. But it feels like with this, the offense, especially the reason they're not as good as they were last year, I think they're still trying to figure out what they want to be, especially on third downs. They don't have a lot of answers for third down outside of QB draw, you know, and <sighs> it gets boring. It gets, everybody knows what you're going to do. The first QB draw that uh, was in the red zone on third down, the Dolphins baited them into checking into a QB draw. They lined up in quarters where it looked like they were having a light box. The Eagles checked in the QB draw, and then they sent a, a cover zero. And the Eagles ended up having to kick a field goal. Fans started booing. That is just what the Eagles are right now. Like it's And like we said, it doesn't matter right now because they're 6-1. and one. And I think the question is, like, you know, we gave them the benefit of the doubt of being like, oh, it's still early. They're still figuring it out. At what point do we kind of go like, hey, maybe this is just the Eagles this mm -hmm. year? And how much time do we give them? How much grace have they been given? Because they still are a really good team. I think they, we should give them a lot of the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, eventually those problems, especially like offensively, Jalen Hurts has not looked as good. I think he's holding on to the ball for a long time, trying to make something happen when he can just take the check down or take a quicker throw. It's been really weird, like inconsistent offensively. But again, with that offensive line and that run game, you can be inconsistent and score 31 points. You can be inconsistent on offense and still be six and one. Mark, um, the chatter around the Dolphins not being able to beat elite teams is going to grow after this, having gotten embarrassed by the Bills and then losing this game. And again, it was kind of close, but not really. Um, and their offense was mitigated, which again suggests that you play elite defenses or get elite defensive performances. Um, you're not going to be able to win that. And so um, the Dolphins are kind of maybe the Lions of the AFC. Like everybody wants them to be this and they've shown these flashes and moments, but like the way the Lions lost in Baltimore kind of humbled that take a little bit. Um, you know, you're going to lose games in the NFL and it happens. And I think we're all still really high on Miami, but this was a bummer of a game from the Dolphins. Yeah, it was a bummer of the game uh, of a game from the Dolphins. And I think, look, there were sort of things to you know, the context of the injuries, the context of the play calls and things like that. And it seems like, you know, Ramsey's trending back. So that would certainly help. But I remember this conversation. I had to pull my notes from last week's show, right? The teams that they had beaten had a combined record after last week of five and 23. We talked about like, well, is it just you're playing who you're playing? And yes, you beat some of those teams where you hunt 70 on them. But here we get a situation where they're playing a good football team and they come up short. And so, again, I don't think it's time to panic on the Dolphins or anything like that. Like when you have the ability to just in the blink of an eye, in a blink of an eye, you see Tyreek Hill get open 40 yards downfield. Like you can put up points. But I think the bigger concern is going to be when you see these good defensive fronts, when you get into sort of December football, January football, are you going to have nights like this where you can't get anything going on the ground when you might need to and you don't have the conditions or the elements to be able to hit on some of those quick plays downfield? And so I think it's more of a what are we going to see for this team in December and January more than anything else? Um, okay, one sentence quickly on Monday Night Football. San Francisco 49ers at Minnesota Vikings, Mark. Kirk Cousins against the San Francisco 49ers defense is going to be a lot of fun to watch.
JP? Very, very intrigued by what Brian Flores pulls out of his hat for the Vikings defense against this Niners offense. They've very quietly been a good defensive unit this year. I would love so much if the Vikings won this game, but I'm in no way able or willing to predict that. Uh, Rachel, if you could join us, please, and offer your thoughts on the day, um, your thoughts on the crockpot in general, if you like it. I know you voted the Chargers in. Um, anything else you want? And, of course, who won the MFWMB? I love the idea. So I'll be looking forward to this each and every week. And I also love what Mark said, how it was like, not really just so more so about the team. He was talking about with the Chargers, I think, how you guys, like baseball people who were optimistic going into the season should be in the crock pot. So I thought that was really strong. Um, one of my takeaways from the week, though, was just like Devontae Adams. I would be very frustrated if I was him. The October 31st trade deadline is coming up. And so, yeah, we could potentially be seeing a trade there. He only finished with 57 receiving yards. And so that's just embarrassing. Um, I really also loved Mark's point. I think you were on a roll today, Mark. Like, I think this was definitely probably one of your really like strongest shows. Um, I like your point about the Ravens defensive coordinator, how he's pretty much in his bag. Um, he's not getting enough credit. JP, I really like your point about the Bills and how the loss more so says stuff about the Bills in their defense and their lack of depth. Um, and then, Mark, I also really like your point on the Steelers being the Mike Myers of the NFL. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, and like I said, RJ, I thought your idea moving forward about the crock pot like i'm here for so we definitely got to get a graphic going but today i'm gonna give it to mark i think you did a phenomenal job look at you mark patriots f1 baseball yeah, yeah it's uh it's it's a it was a fun weekend it was a fantastic weekend but we were back to work um you know grinding our way through it because Look, we're going to have to have this Bears-Chargers game broken down from every angle over the next seven days. Like, I want JP doing deep dives on Tyson Bajan and, and what the X's and O's look like. You know, I'm going to have to dial some stuff up on what's going right, what's going wrong for Kellen Moore. I mean, let's do this. We've had this weird game of the year jinx going forward. Let's call this the worst game of the year and see if we can spin this into something magical on Sunday night. Okay. All right. I'm down. And oh, uh, one last thing, one last thing. We cannot let you off the hook, RJ. The Cars take that you dropped uh, on the timeline in the middle of yeah. Monday Night Football. We can't let the, we can't let this go ignored. I know that JP is a huge Cars fan. Um, and so the take was that I and I told you guys that I watched it. I mean, it was kind of like eh. like I I felt myself like wanting to like it because I wanted to be like culturally cool because a lot of people like it, and it just wasn't there for me. Like it was kind of boring. I didn't enjoy, you know, the like unsettlement of the movie. Um, it was wholesome, fine. Like it was cool when they set up all the lights in the town, but then Lightning McQueen had to leave. Like it just, it's, I can probably name 10 Owen Wilson films I like better. I mean, like it's just, it's not. This man saw, this man saw <laughs> Doc Hudson drifting around Willie's Butte and was not moved. I am, oh, that's an absurd thing. <laughs> I mean, again, and you, you both, all of you actually were like, "Oh, the sequels are terrible." So, like, I have no incentive to like further no, myself, no, no, further no. my knowledge. Cars, Cars, Cars three, Cars good. three is very Cars good. two is bad. Yeah, you just pretend what? Cars three is Cars two. Yeah, then it makes Cars two and Rocky. I do want to say, never happened. <laughs> I wanted to say one last thing on this. Um, so, Kay Adams put my tweet on blast, um, which was nice of her. Um, but her defense of this was, "Oh, there's." Um, there's not a, a like the the line for the cars ride is not the longest for, you know by accident and my take in response to that take is the ride can be amazing that has nothing to do with the movie itself you know what i mean like the, the ride can be incredible and have an offered like no indication at how great the movie is and plus it's a how could it not be a great ride it's cars like it, you're of course it's going to be an awesome ride it's a race car like that that's the entire thing you it's a race car movie it's super cool I, it's just an it's an incredibly cool movie. I'm just saying you heard the opening notes to Real Gone by Cheryl Crow and just <laughs> were not moved. Yeah. That's insane. You know, life is a highway. Fantastic just, just life is a highway. Fantastic. Life's a highway. That's it's wild I mean, to me. Again, I would put all of the Toy Stories. Um, I would put Wally, shout out to JP ahead of it. 
I would put Frozen ahead of it. I would put Wreck-It Ralph ahead of it. Those aren't even Pixar oh, films. No, I no. would put A Bug's Life, okay. even though Rachelle already handed out MF Double MVP. Um, I would put, you know, I wouldn't put Moana ahead of it if that makes me feel better. Um, what? That's would, the one movie that I'm okay with being ahead of it. I, yeah. would, put, I would put both. I didn't even like Monsters University. I'd put both Monsters Inks ahead of it. Um, I would put. Um, I, I would put both the Incredibles ahead of it. Like it was, it was oh fine. I mean, like okay, that's fair. it's this is the most washed take I've ever heard. <laughs> we talked about lawn mowing in the slack a few days ago, which is very important, by the way. You get a good lawn maintenance; it's critical. Look, these are all of the Pixar movies. Um, I mean, I have I've actually never seen Ratatouille, but I hear that ride is amazing as well. Um, really? Watch Ratatouille. Oh my Look, my son will be two in a month, and so like you know, the things that the the plot holes I'm missing are going to get checked off. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so it will happen. Um, I would put Toy Story four ahead of Cars, and that's because it was awful. Um, I would not put Soul. Didn't really, you know, this kind of whatever. Um, you that's know. a good one. Soul is a good one. It was okay, but good. I I wouldn't. I I enjoyed Cars more. So that makes me feel better. I mean, it's much closer Fair. to the bottom of the spectrum okay. than uh, the top cars for me okay but i was uh, we had to address it i mean we couldn't <laughs> yeah it was four is not that great i like know it's... but because it, it is still like part of the toy story pantheon it's better than cars i mean which what is, is not, that doesn't make it better than cars <laughs> what, is, toy story what is the plot of cars 2 that you is that the like international made as a super spy yeah. yes okay what's the it, plot of cars 3 i guess Lightning McQueen is losing, he's kind of losing his edge. He's now the old vet. Oh, and now he has to kind of get his swagger back. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, a really, it's a really good movie. It it's is. Wasp, it's Wasp King, Lightning McQueen. Yep. I put the I put cars in the crock pot. Let's get out of here. No! <laughs> <in the crock-pot. laughs>